Good morning, everyone. It is my privilege to be with you this morning and going back to this amazing journey we are having on the book of Acts of the Apostle, or how many would say the Acts of the Spirit. I was sitting there and singing, and even though you prepare a lot of stuff and things and studies to speak up, but came in my mind a picture idea like this. Imagine if another crazy or difficult law comes up tomorrow and we are almost getting used to it, not comfortable with that, but trying to do the pros and cons. But the law would be something like this. Only Hamiltonians, only the Hammers, can get together in the city, no more than five. Mainly pastors and elders can stay a little bigger, all the rest, only if you are born in this city, can worship God. All the others are not allowed. How would you feel? Disappointed. And if you disobey, you go to jail. No court, direct to prison. But there is a good news. Quebec is far open for you. You can meet anywhere, any corner, any place, as many people want to. What would you do? I would go by car tomorrow to Quebec because as you can see, I was not even born in Canada. So what the chance I would be here and worship my God. That's something kind of what happens in this chapter. We are living Jerusalem where they were getting together in Acts 2, we hear that they were getting day and night together around the apostles and the teachings they were giving to them. And they were worshiping God, they were having communion, they sing, and they were instructed and taught. And then the church grew, they have an amazing growth, but then we'll see they start being persecuted. So... Today, we are going to go from that place we were left last Sunday, Pastor Dwayne preached to this chapter, chapter 8, Samaria and beyond. Where we are at, where we heading to, the first verse you can follow, and Saul approve of their killing him. In my other translation says, and saw the young religious Jewish leader was there giving approval to his death, the death of Stephen or Steve. Stephen preached boldly, suffered as Christ did, Christ suffered at the cross. For handsome of many, and Stephen died 
killed by stones. He was also a martyr, and he died. What is next then? What is going to happen? What is this scenario going to be about? What happens when persecution comes? What we're going to see in this chapter, if the last chapter was the amazing, profound, broadly, boldly preaching ever preached in that manner, that made the later on Paul to be the theologian of such powerful understanding because they Stephen's preaching. Now we're going to see the gospel of Jesus Christ leaving the four walls of Jerusalem, going to Judea and Samaria, that was the next region they would go to the end of the world in this chapter. This chapter is going to end in their end of the world in Ethiopia. And this is the preaching for another brother. And as Jesus had commanded them too, Luke is following the commandment and Luke's the writer of this gospel is following the move of the Spirit. Because Jesus said and commanded them. It was an order. Seen the gospels, but also seen in the Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Some people say, but everything you're saying is there. Yes, that's what I wrote. And for the sake of my hearers that cannot sometimes understand what I say, you can read as you wish. Some people ask, especially Brazilians, Marshall, when our English get better in order to speak up and to be clearly understood? I say, well, I'm here 13 years and a half. And I haven't got there. When I get there, I tell you. <laughs> Takes a big while. The main idea, the purpose, the message itself today is the expansion of the church requires every Christian to adapt to different circumstances. If you want to see our church growing, if you want to see the gospel go beyond these walls, if you want your faith expanding, reach your neighbors, Reaching your street, reaching your neighbor or city and nations, we need to be able to adjust, to accommodate, to be open, to negotiate some things and not other things. Those brothers, they were seeing this, and they were required to adapt to a different circumstances. Like I said, if you need to live tomorrow, head to Quebec, all your world would change. But for good. Because Quebec is the city and the province and the city last reached by the gospel in the world, believe it or not. We all are living under very different or difficult situations or circumstances, aren't we? Globally, with the pandemic. Nationally, we have faced so many uh, lack of freedom, 
so many protocols, rigid protocols, harder to follow, and so many laws like the B64 against our freedom of faith. Locally, lots of unemployment, economical problems, difficulties we are facing, personally, people being lonely, isolated, mental illness everywhere. Just last month, I had two friends who tried to commit suicide. So we are surrounded by difficult circumstances, circumstances as such as the pandemic, but not only, and the consequence of it. And we need to adjust. We may choose to complain, we may choose to protest, we may choose to accommodate, we may choose to be angry and grumpy and sad and fearful, or you may take the advantage of what's going on, pray more, read more. I think the COVID gave us at home three different experiences throughout these two years and a half. Sometimes we got together as a family, it was wonderful. Sometimes we regained some disciplines. Sometimes we thought, oh man, I'm praying that the day I go out, I'm going to be bold about God and give the hope they need. So there are a lot of circumstances. So today, the text allows us to see three circumstances to which we must adapt. First, of course, when the world persecuted the church. I'm hearing it. I'm not inventing it. I'm seeing it. More and more, the church is being persecuted. Maybe some places have more freedom than other places, but sooner or later, the end of the times, in the apocalyptic message of Jesus in Matthew 24, 25, days are not going to be easier unless we have a revival in some places. I'm not saying it's the end of the world, but Jesus already proclaimed, prophesied. Things are going to be tougher and tougher. Are we ready? Are we going to take advantage? Are we going to be being of good use of God? Second circumstance, of course, when the church propagates the gospel. That's our main task. That's the unfinished task. That's why Jesus left us once we were saved and not took us home to heaven where we are citizens of and where we are heading to. He left us here to propagate to share the gospel, not only our knowledge, but the way of living, our love and our care, our hospitality, the love of God and the forgiveness that the gospel brings. And the third occurs when the people produce different fruits under pandemic, under persecution, under harder situations. We may behave this way, we may behave that way, and that's what we should prepare. The first... Of course, when the world persecuted church, maybe they had to leave their comfort zone. It was much easier to be with those who were launching the marvelous church, who saw Jesus, lived with Jesus. They present, they, they, they watch it, they sense, they experience the wonders and signs of Jesus and the apostles. But now they have to leave. If they are not locals, they have to leave, especially 
those converted that were not born in that particular place. So read with me. The church persecuted and scattered. And on that day, a great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and commit them to prison. What we do? The persecution started even before with the healing of the layman, but now is intensified. In chapter 5, we don't see it clearly, but we heard an amazing preach from Pastor Derek. And what we see? We see the devil underneath trying to persuade Ananias and Sapphira with a lie. He tried already to persecute the church in a very savvy way, deceiving the people. If he succeed, if we didn't have a discernment from Peter and the other leaders, that practice could become, oh, okay, you can be Christian wherever you want. You may say whatever you want to say. You pretend you're giving all, you give not all. And so the seed of the enemy was already in their hearts, but they were denounced and they fall dead because the Lord was disciplining the church through that. Here, what we see, we see that the Jewish, Jewish or the Jews were persecuting the Christians. The Jewish Christians, they were Christians. There were Jewish Christians being converted, especially the Greek ones. They say the Hellenist ones. There were Jewish that were born or were raised in that area and others who came from other places. All Christians, the Bible says, were being persecuted, but not the apostles on that particular. All of them were persecuted, but all Christians fled to Judea and Samaria Samaria preached the gospel with much fruit. In other words, persecution happens. It happens often, anywhere, anytime. We have a church here meeting in the afternoon. They were here yesterday. They were leaving their country with a Christian faith. They were persecuted in Myanmar, Burma, and they have left. And we are not talking about 10 people. We are talking about a couple of millions of people persecuted in their country, and they went abroad. 5,000 are in Canada, 400 in Hamilton. They were persecuted because of their faith. They were raised in a Buddhist country where Christianity is not an option. Happens, Jesus said it, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. Rejoice, he says, and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
Jesus already said about this situation. He already knew about it. So what we learn from here? Sometimes, because our faith, we are also persecuted. Maybe not in the same way. Maybe not with the danger or risk of going to jail. Maybe not even losing your job. But we are being persecuted. We are being put in a smaller place. People are not fun of us nowadays. It might be a situation. You are. It might be in a, in a, as a family member is against you. Every time you say something, they say something differently and bring the family uh, uh, attention. It might be in your own job and you are asked to do something against your principles. What do you do? You may need to move on. You may need to get out. You may need to flee. Sometimes it's a relationship you need to flee. Sometimes it's someone you like, but they don't have the same spirit that you do. And if you stay too long, you're going to be contaminated and you're going to fail from your spiritual life. Do we have a plan? Do we know what to do when things go bad against us? Sometimes you should stand for, stand up. You should face and fight. Sometimes the best way is to flee. Lot tried to stay in that place the longer he could. But then God told his uncle Abraham, it's time to get out. I've been jobs that I had to get out soon because it was going to be damaging my faith. Sometimes could be a relationship, a business you do. I put SIM. When I came to Canada, I was being trained by SIM. And they are trained. They train people to go all around the world. And besides the, the training you have to have to be a preacher or a missionary, besides the, the things you have to know how to deal with hard situations and persecutions, some missionaries, besides they have to raise their own support, they have to have a suitcase with special health things and how to protect and how to heal themselves if they needed to, and another suitcase with $10,000. Not to be used. Would you like to have a suitcase like that? But this suitcase they can never use. There are 10000 in cash and one extra passport. Why? Because some countries from one day to other says, all missionaries, all Christians are going to be persecuted, and they have to run away. They can't take a flight. They can't take a boat. They have to find a way with that suitcase to get saved and go to another place. That's what happens. So sometimes, in order to survive, we have to adapt for changing and move if necessary. Second circumstance when the church propagates the gospel. We can try to do other stuff, and sometimes we do because it's biblical, but we need to establish our priorities. In this case, God, the Holy Spirit, have their agenda. Philip preached in Samaria. Now those who were scattered, were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to a city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the multitudes with one accord 
gave heed to what Philip said, said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the things which he did, for unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was joy in that city. Can you think about it? What is going on here? With the permission of God and the strategy of the Spirit, they were scattered and they were spreading the seeds. Last week, when Pastor Steve was here, he gave us this example of people you know, throwing their seeds, throwing everywhere they was going to go. Jesus said about this in a parable. And that's what these people were doing. By fleeing, by going away, wherever they would go now, they have no doubt that was the purpose God gave them, to live out their faith, to be bold enough to share. They were not trained preachers. Well, let me say like that. They were seen, they were taught in the doctrine of the apostles. They knew their faith well. And they've seen people being killed. They've seen Jesus preaching. They, they saw Jesus die on the cross and being raised. They might have attested Stephen's death. And by that they say it's not worthy for one to die for all of us. Let's be bold. Let's Make that word, and they start spreading the seeds, preaching the word, testifying about who Jesus was, what he did, his achievement, and the purpose of his coming. So the Holy Spirit gave them this boldness. They were full of the Holy Spirit, just testifying, not as a preacher I'm doing here, but as a lay people who believes in the word of God. And then shows up Philip. A converted, a Hellenistic Jew, so he was a Jew from outside. That was the Hellenist, the Greek ones, as Stephen. So isn't it amazing that from now on God is using others beyond the apostles? Before was Jesus, and then the disciples, the apostles. And now, those two that were chosen to serve the table, those two who had to be qualified to serve the widows that were not Jewish, but were Hellenic from the Greek world, they had to serve. Now they are preachers, they are evangelists. And then you're going to see from chapter 6, then when they were appointed as the seven ones, Two of them became very boldly preachers. One is now dead, now is Philip. But not only Philip, all of them. And this is one type. Can you imagine if we have more than one Philip? Can we imagine if the people were bold as Philip was? That's why the world was shaked by God. Philip, as Stephen, was successfully proclaiming the gospel to the hated Samaritans. Those who are not considered real Jews or faithful Jew people with whom the Jews of Palestine did not get along. So we know the story. When Philip comes, preach and perform genuine gifts with the power of God, 
What happens? The city experiences a revival and a freedom never seen in that city before. Don't you get amazed how God uses things? Even a bad situation of persecution, when the door is closed here, he opens widely over there. These two, some people and some scholars are putting them together in pairs from now on in this moment. It reminds me, Elijah and Elisha doing things that were amazing people. These two were amazing. Both Stephen and Philip preached well and boldly, and both were a type of Christ. Stephen, by preaching and by dying sacrificially, and Philip in the miracles. Now it's not only Jesus who performed miracles. Now it's not only the apostles. Now it's Philip doing the same thing they were doing. Attesting the power that comes from God. Attesting their message. Who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and who Jesus is going to be. Can you imagine the scene? If you go in books, if you study about Samaria, Samaria was a dark place. A city that was almost forgotten by God at this moment. A city that became darker and darker, experiencing oppression, sadness, shadows, with demonic activities for the things that has happened there. Evil spirits were everywhere, and people were sick, diseases were around. It was a place like that. A place that maybe people who, from God who would come would see the damage that the enemy did in that city. And then what happens? They experience joy. They feel joy from God in that place. A real and true joy that comes from God. That is what God does when the gospel is preached accordingly. I don't know if you have ever seen Places like that. I remember once I was living in England. I went there to start learning English. Never finished, as you can see. <laughs> Takes big while. Take a life. Long life learning thing. But when I was coming from Switzerland or Germany, going through Belgium, I've never experienced the darkness I have experienced in my life on that day. I came to this city just to cross and take the boat towards London, or towards the south of England and London, and I never felt so filthy, so oppressed. It's not nowadays, but that was in 86. All the outdoors were with almost naked women, with suggestions of sexuality everywhere. All these dirty images and, and, and things around and the sense of darkness in that city. And that was what's happening in Samaria. But then suddenly, because of the people of God, because those who preach the gospel, share the word of God, they were experiencing real joy, freedom. There are cities in Brazil, I don't know if Pastor Juliano have been, that are dark like that, with Black magician with witchcraft, people you go, a lot of lame people, people paralyzed, people in lines, 
hours and hours because they want to be healed. And that city is even worse, their problems. Believing they're going to get healed by paying these bad witchcraft people. What we learn from here? First, as an order, the word must be preached. Sharing the word must be done by all believers. If the gospel depends all on me, I can. Thank you, love. She knows me. Even though I have an ongoing hoarse voice, water helps. But sharing the word must be done by all of us. In your way, in the way God designed you to be, through the gifts God has shared with you, some are more shyer than others, doesn't matter. But all believers, everywhere, no matter what, those people were not all like Philip, but they have the spirit. They have the ability to speak up and say, this is what Jesus went through for me, and this is what Jesus did for me. I was training at school that they were training us to give our testimony. So we start with half an hour, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 3 minutes, and then you have to come up with one minute testimony. And then one after the other has to give it. Because you don't have time sometimes. Sometimes you go in a bakery store and they ask something like that. So it's now. So you give this one minute speech. And you can share. The results, whatever can happen, it belongs to God. Christ should be the center of our faith, and this is what we share. Paul says, I decided to know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. Sometimes you have to filter so many things you want to say for the sake of the hearing, for the purpose of time, for the opportunity God grants you, but that's what you can do. And you cannot imagine how many times I was put in situations that I have a half-minute opportunity, sometimes over the board. One day I was crossed. I think I told you guys this, but they said, you have a weapon. I said, I have no weapon. You have a weapon. I have no weapon. Actually, I have a knife, Swiss knife in my bag. I didn't know that. And they were saying, you have a weapon. I said, of course I do. I'm a minister of the gospel. Here is my weapon. I took the Bible. Everybody was, the police cop came to me. And, Be careful. But... I said who I was and why I was carrying my weapon, the sword of God. But they said, but you have a, a sword. Let's find out. Well, we found out and that was clear. But that's what you have. Another day I was crossing the border. The border, I have a lot of stories. Brazilians don't like to go to U.S. because every time you go, you are suspicious. No matter what you say. Are you Brazilian? They already, you know, put you to a special room. And that guy says, where do you go? I go to Orlando. Where are you going to be there in this hotel? What for? A conference. What kind of conference? Leadership. What kind of leadership? I says, man, I'm going to go to jail today. Uh, a leadership of some kind of, you know, prime uh, leaders around the world. But what they teach about? I said, there is no way. I said, oh, there they teach about uh, Christians, leaders around the world, how to uh, effectively be good leaders. Who's speaking? I said, man, what this man is going to do? And then I said, Timothy Keller and Don Carson, so and so. Oh, brother, I love to hear that. Go in peace and have a good conference. <laughs> I thought the guy says, he's going to lie somehow, and we're going to put this guy to jail today. 
He's been away those times. Now we get him. They never got me. They never got me. Now I'm Canadian. They can't do a thing. <laughs> Sometimes, kind of gesture. I tell you, doesn't matter how much you want to say. It's your, how you are. How you are designed by God. A gesture of faith. I shared it the last summer. I didn't share what happens later. But Delaney and I, I think our brother, remember, uh, Jordan, you mentioned a crew that you work with, your company, were doing our pavement, our streets, uh, in, our, in our neighborhood. And I saw that crew day by day, day by day, day by day, and I said, Elaine, we need to do something. Elaine actually said to me, I said, let's do it. So we started giving water. And then we started giving water and coffee. And then we started giving water, coffee, and pops. Not beers, but pops. They are working, and I don't drink. Some do at home, others don't. But then, one day, I was doing my barbecue, and they thought, oh, now, we'll start with water. It's getting better. And they gave us pop and stuff. And now he's doing something. And then the guy says, are you doing picanha? It's our meat. It was a Portuguese guy, of course. And he spoke in Portuguese, saying, you are doing that meat. And then I said, Elaine, they think it's for them. Let's do it. So more meat than we do, and we cut and chop and put out there, and we did that. One guy came to me and says, wow, he said to me, but he said it to his family. I work in a neighborhood that a house or a, a resident, they've done something for us that I've never seen in my life. That's where we are. Jester, sometimes matter of faith, sometimes come here, uh, you know, uh, shoulders to shoulders, sometimes is that, you know, some tapping someone's back, and sometimes you, you hug, sometimes you bring clothes, you pray, sometimes you claim the promise of God. Doesn't matter. For instance, I know you like stories, I like too. Let me try to be quick for the sake of time. I was only 22 years old. I was in England, start learning English, remember? I was so bad that one day I went to have my hair cut, and the guy asked me, how you want your hair cut? I said, so and so, he didn't get it. He said, what are you here for? And that got worse, because I tried to explain and get an opportunity to preach the gospel. But he was from India, and he didn't get much what I said, and he can, oh, I know. He thought I was an uh, Augustinian monk. So can you end up how I got my hair then? Like that? And he did something here too. When I saw, oh, that was not what I asked for. <laughs> but with that broken English or with no English at all, a friend of mine came, and that's the story I want to tell. Not the other one, this one. He says, a friend of mine is very sick. I said, how sick? Too sick. I think he has pneumonia. He's red in his uh, face and he's coughing all the time. Maybe it's the COVID-1986. But he was very bad. So I went to his home and said, are you afraid to go? I said, I'm not afraid of anything. No, 22 years old, two years believers. Man, nothing would stop me. Let's go. But he could not understand my English. He was British from Oxford. So he speak like an egg in his mouth. I couldn't understand this guy at all. And he could not understand me. So the Swiss guy who was in level five understood me that was in level zero. So we went. Two. 
in two. So I came, how are you? The guy could not speak. Okay, sit. So I was bored, you know, like any young Christian like that. Maybe you fool yourself, but that's why you believe. I sit here, and then I put my hand in his head, and my, my hand in his, uh, thank you, chest. I would say breast, or it's not, chest. <laughs> Shake a little bit, you know, something like that. I prayed. The other day, this guy was in the church. I knew he was part of something. I thought he was the pianist and the, the choir director, and he was. But I never knew what else he was. Anyway, he got better the other day. Not because me, because God. Of course, God. God healed him. Instantaneously, I don't know how, but God can do it. The other two days, he asked me to go back. He wants to thank me. Came this friend. And then he says, how can we pray for you? But he knew prayer wasn't his thing. And neither the, the Swiss guy, because he, they asked me. So, well, you can pray because there is something nobody can do. Only God can do what? I, all my money is gone. I have one week to live here. I came here to learn English. And you know, I can't even communicate with you. I need this guy. I'd like to stay longer. If I stay longer, I lose my job in Brazil. If I go like that, I had no English. So I'd like to stay longer. Guess what? This man was the treasurer of the school, and he was an healthy accountant. Said, it is on me. And the Swiss guy come to me and says, well, I've been saving money since I was born. My parents saved. I am mechanical. I have more money in the Swiss bank in my neighborhood than anybody else. And he paid all my meals and books for a year. Everything started with a broken English or no English guy, with no theology, with nothing hands but the love for the others and the faith, the same you have, that God can do amazing things. The guy was healed, and they blessed me what they could. We can bring our seat up. We can bring Hamilton, let's say here, because we are here, through the power and love of the gospel. Can't we? Hamilton. And sometimes I cry, because this is what I hear. Hamilton doesn't not, does not need to be known more by poverty or mental illness or addictions or homelessness. We are helping in a practical way, but we can do more to this city if we preach the word of God and if we have the power of God. God can do it, and joy can come back to the city. Amen? That's what God can do. We need to adapt under persecution by leaving our comfort zone. By moving, we need to establish our priorities that should be propagation of the gospel. You can choose other things, but the propagation of the gospel is an order, is a must, and that brings the real results to free our seed. And finally, we can see the different fruits that the gospel can do. They are superficial sometimes. We won't know until time comes but they are genuine. I think I'm going to go a little fast now. The fruits produced can be superficial. That's the experience of Simon Magus. The historian tells him as Magnus, the great, the magician, a type of magician, a type of scientist, astronomy, astrology, who learned some tricks and also had some evil power in him or behind him. But when he heard Philip, Things changed. 
Simon. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the nation of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all gave heed, or they worship, or they adore, or they give homage to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is that power of God which is called great. And they gave heed to him, because for a long time he had amazed with his magic. Even, the Bible says, Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. The question we raise here, was really Simon converted? Was really Simon saved? Did he ever repent or was only interested in the gain and the self-promotion, like Ananias and Sapphira? Hard to say. The text says he believed, he was baptized, and he followed Philip closely. But it's unlike that he was saved. Probably he was not sincere. Many people profess their faith for different reasons. To be accepted, to be promoting themselves, to have a position in society. In Brazil, it's common, a mayor, a MP, a governor, a senator, they become born-again Christians from one day to another, only to get the votes. And once they are empowered, you see, they were not even Christian at all. So in this case, it's difficult, but Peter, probably I wouldn't get it, but Peter got it, and he saw that his heart was not there. He was there in getting some sort of power from Philip that was being presented. People were amazed by him. But the one who amazed people now is amazed through the gospel by Philip. There was, I won't read it, you can read Rome, but there was a trying of pursuing God's power through his money. The idea of the term simony comes from Simon. He tried to bribe. He tried to gain the power of God through his own resource. And Peter answered, verse 20, Make your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent, he says, of your weakness, and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And then Simon answers, or response was only this, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. So he wasn't really sincere. Some scholar says that he is the father of Gnosticism. Uh, uh, father, apostles' fathers or the father of the church, Irineo says he was the one who the historian, could be another Simon, but most probably he was the one who initiated another movement against Christianity, Gnosticism. There are dangers of being mistaken, not being sincere, misunderstand what salvation is about. Lots of people do it. They are impressed with the miracles, the signs, the wonder, and they think this is all only about. They don't see that they point us to Christ. The gospel 
is the gospel, but he's trying to bribe him or he's trying to buy it and his mistake. And Peter is clear. Simon was rebuked. In the same way Jesus rebuked him, he could repent, but probably he never did. Peter denounced his heart, his motivation, his weakness. He was remorsed. He regretted. He said, I wish I would never said that, but it was too late, and he didn't act humbly. But then we see what matters. We see at the same time we share the word of God. In the same time you, in your way, preach the gospel about Jesus, who Jesus was, how he lived sinless life, how he died at the cross for ransom of many, how he raised from the dead, attesting that whatever he said was true, people also believed. Philip, many believed Philip, what Philip preached, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John, Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. If you read carefully, like I read many times, I was astonished. How can? How can this text says they just, <laughs> they just, you know, believe in Jesus and were baptized? That's not a simple just. But in this particular case, something is going on more than we, our mind, can comprehend. People have made bad interpretations of this text throughout the history. Churches and movements have gone through this side or that side because this own passage. And I tell you, if you have doubts about it, email tomorrow, Pastor Duane, he'll be glad to answer to you. He said, true. And, but here we see a situation that is uncommon, is not normative. Many believe Philip why he preached, those who believed turned to the faith and their attention to the teaching were baptized, both men and women, even though they believed and they were baptized exceptionally, exceptionally, they did not receive the Holy Spirit yet. The question is, is it possible to be saved and not receive the Spirit? Of course not, as a rule. You can't even believe in Jesus if God doesn't regenerate your heart, make you to see him, and then you accept him, and then you repent your, your sins, and then you receive your spirit right away. God can visit you anytime, but salvation, you receive the spirit. But how they come here? Why they did not receive? The Bible is clear here. What's two stages, you think, in this case? They believed they were baptized, but they did not have the Spirit. Why? There is something going on here. For a reason that God knows, He holds His Spirit. They believed and did not receive the Holy Spirit as a rare exception in the New Testament. Later on, Cornelius, we're going to see the Spirit coming down. 
And there was no even hands. There was not even finished the sermon. And the Holy Spirit came down. You're going to see different experience. But in here, why they did not receive the Spirit? To make the long story short, there is this difference between Samaritans. They are half-breed. They are not Jewish. They are not Gentile. They are in middle way. And because they could have now been converted and not reunited with the Jews from Jerusalem or the Christians from Jerusalem, two churches could go in different directions. Two people would be split forever. So what Holy Spirit did? He held the Spirit in order that the Jewish people from Jerusalem and the leaders would come and release the Spirit to them and they would be united with the people of God. There will be no two people no more Jewish and Samaritans. That hatred that was there for centuries now will be broken. In other words, the first racial reconciliation ever seen in history has happened here. The Samaritan Christians and the Jewish Christians are now united as one people. That's why Paul is going to say later on, there is no Jew, there is no Greek, but one body, one Christ, one head of the church, one spirit. Amen? That's what's going on here. For a while, they, they didn't get the spirit because they need to acknowledge that the salvation came from the Jews. That the Holy Spirit are in the church of Jerusalem. As Samaritan, they should not hate them. As Jewish, they cannot, from now on, as Christians, hate the Samaritans. They also have their own beliefs. They have the, the Torah, they believe, but they don't believe the rest. They have their own temple in Jerusalem, but they don't go to Jerusalem. But from now on, because this act of the Spirit is strategically, they were brought together. They receive it, and something happens because it was seen, perceived, Whatever happened, maybe a second revival, maybe a second Pentecost, as experience, they were reconciled, reconciled. So that was the strategy of the Holy Spirit. Now all of them attest the same faith. And from now on, there will be one church, one people of God. And that's, in my way of seeing, is the reason the Holy Spirit was not released. What next? Now then, they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord. They returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages in Samaritan. Those people, and especially Philip, came back preaching the gospel and sharing all other villages beside Samaria. What's next for me and for you, finishing? There is a challenge for every Christian to be active in all our lives and circumstances. I've seen, you've heard about what I think. There are good things. There are things I don't know much. I've seen many preachers sharing the gospel there too. But doesn't need to be there. can be here. doesn't need to be about this truck or, or vaccine or protocol. That's something else. But we can do movement from Holy Spirit in every circumstance. Church expansion requires our adaptation. Yes, if something happens, we need to be, you know, we need to adjust, we need to adapt. Every persecution 
or even with the persecution, what we see, we see the gospel walks victoriously. The proclamation of the gospel is part of the plan of God for this earth. And this gospel is being preached until the end of the earth, and then the end will come. There is no end if we don't preach the gospel to all nations, to all tribes, to all languages. Jesus is the best way or the only way or the better way for reconciliation between families, between husbands, between parents and sons, between bigger family, between neighbors, between people in the city. There was a genuine reconciliation. The power of God was there. Visit them. Are you genuinely saved? Are you already, have you been born again? Have you embraced not only the knowledge, the information, the good news, and the power of God? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you walking in his name? Simon got it, part of it, the pack, but he didn't get all. His life was not transformed. If not, today is the day of salvation. Today you can come to him. You can be saved, and later on you can be baptized. And if you are from him, good news. Pastor Rene has said many times, the spirit of God lives in you. And you can be an agent of reconciliation. You can be a prayer warrior in your family, in our church, in our city. And God can use you mightily with his gifts in order to achieve his will. God bless you. Father God, we thank you so much for this amazing chapter of Acts 8 that changes all the course of the church. From now on, the church is going to leave Jerusalem only and going to go beyond to Samaria, Judea, until the ends of the earth. And this gospel is being preached throughout these 2,000 years and reaching every nation, country, and people. And we pray that our people here that are listening to this message today welcome the message that you have laid in their hearts and be an agent in our city to see less people sick with mental illness, with bad and evil spirit, begging for food or begging for drugs in the streets. We pray that in this city there will be no division between Christians and between races, but all of us loving God and loving people as well through your spirit can promote reconciliation and your word can go and transform our city. With the forgiveness of our sins, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.